Well, again, welcome to Rise Church. My name is Jason. I'm the executive pastor here. And one of the things our pastor, Pastor Aaron, says is uh, if you're a guest with us, always give us three shots. Try us out three times. Everybody say three times. Because you never know when we're going to be off, and he is off today. Uh, so uh, join us again uh, for At the Movies is coming up, and we just have some great things coming up. And so uh, today's message, Pastor Aaron asked me uh, specifically to share uh, this word with you. And if you're wondering, like, why am I wearing a sweatshirt to preach today? I don't ever do that. But we were at youth camp. Where are my youth at? Uh, this week, we had our high school camp. A couple weeks ago, we had our middle school camp. So I just thought I would come and model uh, the sweatshirt from camp and and get into the camp spirit. Hopefully this message feels like a camp message today. Uh, we had a great time and a move of God. And so uh, a, a couple months ago, uh, Pastor Aaron had asked me to share a message, and it was about the Bible. Uh, it's kind of like a Bible message about the Bible. And I'm going to kind of do a continuation of that. So if you saw that message, this is a continuation. If you didn't see that message, let me catch you up. What we did in the first one is we kind of defined what is the Bible. Like people have a lot of opinions about what the Bible is. Is. And, you know, if we ask people, most of them would say God's word, it's the scriptures, it's the good book, it's holy. And so we kind of came up with a working definition. What is the Bible? And uh, in that message, you can go back and check that out. Uh, and it's on our, our page. If you go to our faith steps, uh, you can go to the Bible section. You can find this message. And it says, here was our definition is a collection of ancient writings about God's plan to redeem man compiled for faith communities to bring wisdom through meditation. Now, I know that's a long definition, but that was really what we talked about, that, that, that it's an ancient writing written uh, in, in, in Hebrew and Greek, and it's about, uh, the whole Bible is about God's plan to redeem man. It's all about Jesus. And uh, we talked about how uh, it, it brought wisdom through meditation. So in other words, you don't just get all of the good stuff on the first read. You got to read and read and read and read, and we're going to talk about that. And that's great. That's great. We got this definition, but like, how do we do that? What do we do with the Bible? Because there's like this tension. Like you could do a quick Google search. Contradictions in the Bible. How do we know the Bible's fake? The Bible's just people wrote that. Why is the Bible not relevant for today? I mean, you can find all the searches. And maybe, you know, for you, you know, it's confusing. You get into Leviticus, which is kind of like the ancient manual for like the, like the priesthood. It's a technical manual, and you're reading that, and you're like, what? What, what is going on? Maybe, maybe it's just boring and repetitive to you. Maybe, you know, you look at it, and you're just like, that's outdated. That's irrelevant. I don't see how that relates to me. Maybe you're like, you, you, again, you see these inaccuracies and the contradictions in different parts of the story. Maybe you're like, you know, this is a big one today. It's so judgy. It's like kind of, and there's other parts you're like reading, you're like, that's scary. Like demons and fire and like the Antichrist and horned beast. I don't, I don't, talking snakes. And I get it. There's people here I know that are doubters, and we all have some doubts in some ways. And I want to talk about, like, how does it all fit together? So it reminds me of, of a few years ago. It's actually been quite a few years now, but, uh, probably about six years ago. My wife uh, always wanted, like, a big, like, mid-century modern, like, console for our living room. 
So she found this 1961 cabinet thing, and it had like the turntable inside. It had a tuner for the radio inside. You know, it has the built-in speakers, and it's got that mid-century modern look. If you come to my house today, it's still there. So the problem with this was is the turntable didn't work. So I thought, hey, we have the ability today to YouTube anything. Just search it up on YouTube. How to fix, and I found a similar model of turntable. And I thought, well, I'm going to watch this video on how to fix this. And I'm not handy, y'all. I could fix computers, I could do that, but like this, I thought, like, oh, how hard can it be? I'm going to watch this 15-minute YouTube video. But what I did, instead of watching the whole video and then tearing it apart, I did it step by step with the video. Pause, tear apart, pause, tear apart. And then I realized by the time I got to the end of the video, there was no part on how to put it all back together. And I tried to like watch it in reverse, but it didn't work. And so here's what happened, and I, I've kept it uh, for this reason. Like, I, I never could get it back together. I was bringing it in today, and one of the young people asked me, he's like, is that like a, are you like a DJ? I'm like, DJ PJ. Okay, that's a side hustle for me. I couldn't get it back together. It was real easy to take it apart, but it wasn't easy to get it back together. And when it comes to our faith, what I realized today, there's a lot of information about how to deconstruct your faith, how to tear it apart, how to tear apart the Bible, how to rip apart your faith. It's, it's, it's in vogue today. Like It's just the cool thing to do, to tear down your faith. And it's real easy to take it apart, but it's not so easy to put it back together again. And I want to talk to you today about how do we put our faith back together again? How do we put our faith in Scripture? How do we build that foundation? And just like a 15-minute YouTube video, there's an interesting chapter in the Bible. It's the longest chapter in the Bible. And if you read it out loud, it would take you about 15 minutes to read out loud. So I'm not going to do that today because I like to preach short. But it's Psalm 119. It's a very unique chapter of the Bible. If you know anything about Psalm, Psalm means to sing. It's a, po it's a book of poetry. It's a book of songs. And so you have this longest chapter in the Bible. It has 176 verses. That's a long song, y'all. And it's very unique because it's like uh, an acrostic poem, so it, it, it's like this. In Hebrew, the poems didn't rhyme. It wasn't like, roses are red, violets are blue, which is weird because violets are violet. Uh, <laughs> sugar is sweet, and so are you. Yeah, see, you know, like us, we like to have like a rhyming poem. But in the Hebrew, the poems didn't rhyme. But this specific poem was an acrostic poem, and that meant like this. There is 22 letters in the Hebrew alphabet. And each one of the stanzas starts with one of those. So it would be like, A is for apple, B is for boy, C is for cat, D is for dog, etc., etc., etc. So they start this poem. It has 22 stanzas with each having eight verses, which if you do the math, that's 176 verses. 
So it's got this rhythm. That's how Hebrew poems were. They had a rhythm that you could see, a pattern that you could see that it would keep and it would repeat things. And this thing has so much depth. Every time I, I listen to it again or read it again, I just see like I could preach 22 messages on it. I'm, luckily, I'm only going to preach one today for y'all. And the writer was a guy named David. And he's writing this psalm about the scriptures. And he's really processing through. He refers to it with words like the law, the commands, the commandments, your words, your precepts, your guiding, your statutes. He, he, he puts this all, and what I love about it, it's a, it's a YouTube video on how to build your faith and trust in the scripture. And it's very in-depth, unlike the video that I watched on taking apart and putting back together the turntable. He just goes over and over. And so I want to talk to you about how we engage the Bible. How do, uh, David gives us this, this guide on how to engage the Scripture. He teaches us how to put it all together through this song or poetry. So he says we're going to engage the Scripture in three ways. Here's three things that I noticed as I'm reading through this and studying it. There's three different ways we engage it. We engage the Bible in three ways. The number one thing that I noticed about this song is he engages with his heart. Now, I'm just going to be honest here, like when it comes to feelings, like I'm not a feeler. So as I've grown up, I know that most people, when they read the Bible, like their least favorite part is like Leviticus, and all the laws, I, I would have rather read that than the Psalms. Because, like, there's too much touchy-feely stuff happening in here. And it always perplexed me that it's like, David was like this man's man. He had, like, a bear mounted on his wall. I killed a bear. He had a lion mounted on his wall. I killed a lion. He had war trophies. I killed Goliath. I took his stuff. Like, this was a man's man. And he's over here talking about feelings and crying. And the older I get, I, I, I kind of understand it. You know, we're doing at the movies. I'm probably going to cry. I was watching a movie with my kids this week, and I, like, cry. And I text it, Pastor, hey, I'm like, this movie's so good. <laughs> it was a true story, and it was just, you know, it just made me cry at the end. My kids are like, Dad, what's wrong with you? <laughs> my counselor had to tell me at one point in my life, hey, Jason, you know there are other feelings besides anger? You got that one down? <laughs> There's other ones on the wheel. Let's, let's, let's explore out. And so in Psalm, here verse 47 and 119, Psalm 119, 47, here's one of the examples. Again, I could give you, there's over 34 references to feelings in these verses. And here's what he says. For I delight, that's a feeling, in your commands, that's the word of God, because I love them. That's a feeling word. He has some feelings. He has a heart towards this. He, and, 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 and the whole thing about poetry in the Bible, and poetry in general, is this. We take words and we arrange them in the way that when the hearer hears these words, it makes you feel something. That's what poetry is. 
It takes words. And, and, and then the struggle is like, you know, like 30% of the verses in the Bible are poetry. They're feelings. It talks a lot about it. The prophet Jeremiah, I love this guy. He's, he's talking about God's word and he's talking about having a feeling toward it. He says, when your words came, I ate them. They were my joy and my heart's delight. We even have something that we call food, like we really like to eat. What is that called? Comfort food. He says, that's the way I look at scripture. I, I heard a story once where a guy was kind of like a foodie and he would ask people in the airport, what do you like to eat? And, he, and, and there was a sailor there heading off for deployment, and he asked this guy, and he said, well, you know, mom's house, of course, right? There's no cooking like mama's cooking. He goes, but if I can't get mama's cooking, because you obviously can't go to my mom's house and get food, that'd be creepy. <laughs> he said, there was this one, you know, he was in Louisiana and outside of New Orleans, he said, there's this one place you want to go. And I heard that story, and I went there, and it was really good. I can't remember the name of it, or else I'd tell you. There were, see, there were some feelings attached to eating. We have to have some feelings attached to reading God's word because it determines what we get out of it. If you think it's boring, it's boring for you. If you have this enthusiastic joy and love and delight as David did, you will be called a person after God's own heart like David was. It wasn't that David was called a, a man after God's own heart. It wasn't because he did everything right, y'all. Read his story. It's messed up. He was messed up. But what made him a, God, a man after God's own heart was his love for God's words and his truth. So you have to approach Scripture understanding that it's a spiritual battle. There's a battle. And so one of the things is like, when I read the, the, the word, I have to pray to God and just say, Holy Spirit, come be with me. Help me to engage your word with love. Help me to engage your word with light, life and love and delight. Make the word come alive to me. Jesus, be here with me as I read this. There's an emotional engagement of God's word. You're engaged with your heart. Number two, this is my favorite one. I've always got this one down, is engage with your head. Your mind, your thoughts, you're thinking something. Psalm 119, 15, and this, is, this word's repeated over and over and over, over 34 times. I meditate on your precepts. I consider your ways. He says, I just sit around and think about it. Hmm. That's my favorite thing. Hmm. That's my favorite emoji, that guy. Hmm. And the staff knows there's like a certain tone where it's like, Mm, version of that where I'm not like I'm about to correct you and there's the like hmm like I'm, I'm like delighting in it you have to choose what kind of mm you're gonna have when it comes to God's word that wasn't even in my notes <laughs> because the kind of mm the attitude the perception you have in your mind your mindset towards God's word determines what you get from it just like the feelings center and it kind of reminds me, you know, this week we're at, you know, middle school, uh, we, we, a couple weeks ago we did middle school camp, we did high school camp, uh, you know, we took a bus to middle school because we have so many middle schools, but we took vans to high school camp. And so I'm the lead, I'm in charge. If, we, if I'm in charge, we stopping at Bucky's. 
But before I knew, when I moved to San Antonio, I remember driving down, and you know, you passed multiple Buckies on the way that I would get here. You know, you, you took, you know, uh, 44. Well, I'm from Missouri, so we took 44, and then we come across there, and you get to 35, and there's all these Buckies. And I like, I don't know what Buckies is, and I'm like driving past it, and I'm like. Like, there's like a logo, and it kind of looks like a third grader drew a beaver. <laughs> and I'm like, Bucky's, is this like Chuck E. Cheese gas station? Like, Bucky Cheese? Like, what is going on here? And I'm like, why is it so big? Everything is bigger in Texas. Why? What is going on? So I just drove past it. I didn't stop there. And I'm like, that's weird. And then they started telling, Pastor Aaron started telling me about Bucky's. And I'm the kind of person, if you try to hype something up, I'm anti hype. <laughs> like, I'm going to find reasons that it's not hyped up. Like, I'm going to just, you know, oppositional disorder. That's me, right? <laughs> like, no, it's not cool. Bucky's is not, it's not amazing. But then I actually went to Bucky's. Do we have the video? of the first time we, they made me stop at Bucky's and I was walking around. Do we got that? <laughs> it's like, there's like, you know, I got, I got an apple pie. I got nuts. I got a burrito. There was like a wall of jerky. I don't even like jerky. Like, I mean, it was amazing. It was amazing, right? My mindset kept me from Bucky's. But once I corrected my mindset, we always stop at Bucky's now. <laughs> like we drive, I remember my daughter came for Christmas and uh, her fiance was with, I'm like, we gonna drive an hour out of the way to get to Bucky's because they need a Bucky's on the way to Corpus. Anybody with me? There needs to be a Bucky's on the way to Corpus or South Padre. There needs to be a Bucky's there. Bucky's, if you're listening, <laughs> hear me. I will, I, will, I will help you pay for it. There needs to be one. My mindset kept me from it. I had the wrong thought pattern. But once I corrected my thought pattern, I'm delighting in those Bucky Nuggets. <laughs> I'm delighting in those roasted cashews. Come on. They used to have Bucky's Texas Hot Hummus. Y'all can bring that back too. I liked that. So how do we have the right attitudes and perspectives with God's word? You need to have a get to, not a got to read it attitude. You have to have a get to. You got to have to understand it that it's God's word, not man's word. That it has wisdom, not just knowledge. We talked about, we just came out of a wisdom series, right? Go back and watch it. We have to look at it and just say, this is a unified story that leads to Jesus. Every page, where's Jesus? It's kind of like, where's Waldo? You know, you're looking through the thing and like, where's that guy, man? Where's Jesus in this? Where, 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 where? Look for him. He's there. He's hidden. Come on. Are, are you finding him? Look harder. You won't get it all on the first take. You need to have that mindset. Because some people are like, well, I already read the Bible. <laughs> I read it all. Done. Finished. It's a book that's made to be reread. And here's what, here's what I think you need to think about is like, you got to dig. You know, 
How many ever like a pirate movie? What do they do? They find, the tr- they find on the map where the treasure is buried and they dig for it. Rarely do they just roll up and the treasure's just laying out there. But we get in God's Word and we're looking for the treasure and we're like, why it's not laying out on the surface somewhere? I'm not digging. That's too much work. Well, the treasure is always buried. The best treasures are always buried. Come on. We have to meditate on God's word. Joshua 1.8 talks about it. He says, keep this law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night. That's what you, it's, it's, it's allowing it to go over and over and over in your thought pattern. We have to remember that it's ancient literature, but it's still for today. Anybody who tells us it's outdated, it's not. It's amazing to me. And I'm not going to, that uh, Christians, let me get on Christians for a minute. It's amazing to me that Christians are always amazed when the world calls good evil and evil good. Like, I'm just going to give you an example. It's amazing to me because that's the first sin. They took the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil. And like Christians today were like, what the world is calling good, evil, and evil good. I'm so surprised. It's right there, y'all. Adam and Eve took the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil. And you might think, well, that's good. They took the-. No, no, no. It's redefining good and evil on your, ba- on your own terms. Instead of going to God and say, God, what is good? God, what is evil? We say, I'm going to make up my own rules. It's right there. Interpret Scripture with Scriptures. So we're going to engage with our heart. We're going to engage with our head. And again, like I said, that's my favorite one. But the one that happens more often, I lost count how many times he refers to this is we engage it with our hands. That's do something. There's so many words that he uses to talk about. He uses the word walk. He uses the word keep. He uses the word speak. He uses the word obey. He uses the word follow, like action verbs. And he teaches, and English teachers in the house. Do something. Starts right off in the first two verses. Psalm 119, he says, blessed are those whose ways are blameless. In other words, what do you do? Who walk? Action verb. According to the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep. Verb. His statues and seek him with all their heart. Look for him. Dig. So how do you do this? You know, it's important for us to hear God's word. Hear it. It's the importance of coming to church. And you know what? Not just coming to church like, get you a notebook and write some stuff down. I'm tired because it's been camp week, so this might make y'all mad. It's what I do best. You ain't that smart. Like, write, I, write, I take notes of everything pastor says, even though I helped him write the notes most of the time. Like, I'm just, if I'm stepping on your toes, it's because I'm preaching to myself. I have to remind myself. And Pastor Aaron, he always says, man, I love it when you sit on the front row. Because, and I'm not saying everybody could sit on the front row because we won't, we won't all fit. But like, there's something to front row listening. To like, I'm leaning in. I'm aiming and I'm like, hmm. I'm, 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 it pulls something out of the speaker. It pulls something out of the, the pastor. Because here's what I know. Like, our pastor has a word from God for you. And if you come in believing that every day, whew, come and hear it. Read it. You need to make a daily habit to read God's word. I love what I heard somebody at camp say, Pastor Jacob, one of the other youth pastors. He says, you know, read God's word till you find something that challenges you. 
Whew. That, that, that's worth the price of admission. Pray it. You, need, you can get in, look, and find there's prayers in the Bible. You need to study it. Again, like I said, dig in. The best treasure is always buried. Memorize it. And here's what I know is like when it comes to this one. We're like, whoa, 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 whoa. Memorize it. I can't do that. That takes a lot of work. It's amazing to me, you know, at youth camp when we had like the last night, just like the after party. It's like, oh. And then all of a sudden they like roll up, like they start playing a Taylor Swift song and every kid knows every word. They start playing Journey. Every kid knows every word. We, we watch movies. And we're like, life is like a... Well, there you go, man. Y'all just, y'all took it. Y'all kept going. I'm going to make him an offer. He can't refuse. Come on, y'all memorize some things. You got to ask yourself one question. Do I feel lucky? Y'all memorizing some things, huh? Huh? There's no place like Y'all can memorize? Huh. Huh. We could do this all day. To quote Captain America. As I said, meditate. Meditate is repeating. That's how we memorize. We repeat. You need to get some of the word and repeat it. You need a journal. The power of writing it down. There's something powerful. I look at all my journals and I'm like, I can't read half of what I wrote because I have the gift of writing in tongues. Uh... <laughs> but not the gift of interpreting. Uh, everyone's like, you should have been a doctor. And I'm like, yeah, I should have been. Uh, but we need to do it. We need to live it out, ultimately. That's the goal. I, I saw something, and this is probably anecdotal, but it's something I've repeated over the years, and some version of this, and some psychiatrist and, 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 and learning behaviorist will tell you something very similar to this, is that we remember 10% of what we read. We remember 20% of what we hear. We remember 30% of what we see. We remember 50% of what we see and hear. We remember 70% of what we discuss with others. That's why we like groups here at church. Talking about God's word. Find someone you can talk to God's word about. 80% of what we personally experience. And then 95% of what we teach others. That's why I love that we create a church where we're serving the next generation. And what I hear from all of our kids workers, VBS workers, middle school workers, high school workers, as Pastor Jason, I went in there to tell them kids a thing or two, but somehow God done told me a thing or two. It's coming alive. And Jesus really talks about this as I'm going to wrap this up today in Matthew 7. He's telling a parable about the word and listening and hearing and doing and he gives this example great illustration you know some people are like well you know i don't like pastor Aaron. he tells too many stories well you wouldn't have liked jesus because what he, he he told parables he wasn't pushing his kids down the slide he was making like, these were stories he just made up on the fly i can't wait to get to heaven and he just tells us some more so here he is, verse 24, Matthew 7. He says, therefore, anyone who hears, everyone say hears, hears, these words of mine 
and puts them into practice. He's like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Verse 25, then the rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew, beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. He goes, but let me contrast that. There's one group who hears, puts it into practice, does it, lives it out, hears it, prays it, come on, memorizes it, prays it, studies, meditates on, writes it down, makes it a part of their life. He goes, but let me tell you somebody else. They hear these words of mine and do not put them into practice. He said, it's like a foolish man who built his house on sand. He says, then the rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. Now, we're not too far from hurricane zones here, and we've all seen this happen, right? And I remember one of the first homes I owned uh, was in Missouri, and we were selling it because God was calling us to the next place, and it was in the middle of, like, 2008 housing market crash, so it was just a mess. But they came and did an inspection of our house, and, you know, they inspect the foundation, and one of the things they found, as I'm closing, was that the foundation, because of the drought that we were experiencing over the some odd years, it had shifted and cracked. And the whole thing was, is then what they were going to have to do was they had a special way to like drill into it, to lift it, to correct it, to inject it with an epoxy that was going to hold it all back together again. And for many of us, we found ourselves deconstructing our faith, or maybe we never actually had a faith. And the answer is to allow God's word to lift us, correct us, and be injected into our life to hold it all together. That's what God wants for us. That's what his word gives us. A correction. Through injecting into our life. Emotionally. In our minds. With our hands. What we do. What we think. What we feel. The word of God wants to permeate as we engage God's word with our hearts, our heads, and our hands.